Hello and welcome to episode 58 of Hearty Dice Friends. My name is Grant Howard and I'm joined by my best friend in the whole world, Christopher Taylor. Say hello. Hello. We do role-playing games. We do them. We've done we them. We do them. We've Historically done them. and now. We play them. We write them. We eat them. We love them. It's we role are role-playing games. games. Now, we also have a podcast, which you're listening to right now. Well done. In which, in which, well done, in which we answer questions which you send in, or which we find scrubbing around the internet like a raccoon in a bin full of questions. Mm-hmm. Second-hand we... questions, part questions, and them all. Uh, I thought you said park questions. Yeah, question about parks. If you've got any <laughs> arboreal-based RPG um, questions, we will get right on top of that. Like, should you have the tea, coffee, or hot chocolate that's served in a little polystyrene cup? The answer is always none. Always none. Just get just get a panda pop. Get something in a sealed container that mm. you have to break. You have to actually break a security seal on, otherwise mm. it's going to be rancid. I, I feel I, I quite like that as a as a vibe. Like like having like like <laughs> we serve rancid food here. <laughs> oh, fine, lovely. How rustic. No, no, no. What I mean is the whole individual tube of thing, which is then disposable. Like the fact that we drink beer in pressurised sealed aluminium cans, which we then discard. Mm. There's something really space-age and neat about that. It, yeah, especially if you get space beer. You get, well, it's just beer that you've taken the label off. Yes, space beer yeah. is a beer that you take the label off so that you just get a, a shiny metallic can. Space beer! Space beer! Uh, the other, space times. The other thing I like... <laughs> bleep, bleep on the space station! The other thing I like about it is that beer comes in very tall cans quite often. Mm. And that and that feels like for for some reason like a treat. <laughs> I'm not oh, sure what in a can you're spoiling us. I'm I'm not sure what that is, but the height of a can, yeah, of you know your Stellas, your Grolsches, your special brews. Your spe- I've never had special brew. My father ne- used to drink it a lot. I've never I've never fallen that far. No, it's not good. No, and like I'm not. I, I guess I guess I'm up my own ass about this about a lot of stuff I drink. Um, yes. Yes. Like, like that's not. I, 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 now I'm I'm 31 years old now, and I think that I want to have nice drinks. Yeah. I want a nice, expensive poison to put in my body, please. <laughs> and on the poison. subject, on the subject of nice, expensive poison, we had a launch party for Spire on Wednesday. We did. Yes. We. So, um, I just want to paint your picture. Of what happened, we hired mm-hmm. out a room in. Uh, not you, I mean the listener. I, I, we we hired out a room in uh, in London Bridge, and it was a. Chris is six foot eight, and the room was about six foot six. Yeah, about that. Yeah, um, it was a corridor of yelling, which we crammed about twenty people into. Yeah, twenty 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 five. Mm, some um, some people, um, and then everyone yelled. At some point, meat arrived. We drank all of the prosecco very quickly. Yes. But I don't think Prosecco is really... I think it acts as more of a multiplier than actually getting me drunk. It's a catalyst. It's a cat. Like, I've never been drunk off Prosecco. No. But I've sure as shit had Prosecco hangovers. Which yeah. brings us to Thursday morning. <laughs> in the... In a terrible decision, we did shots. Yeah. Yeah. We did shots. My idea to have them, Chris paid for them, mm-hmm. which is good. Although technically, I think the business paid for them. I haven't filed the receipts yet. So very we'll well, but that was 
look at the time. I remember being very bonding with it because we had we we had we had, we had I, was, I was very bonding. We had basically all the listeners from Hearty Dice Friends who could make it to the pub that night. We bought them a shot of tequila, and like I think several other drinks. But we all had a shot of tequila at the end of the at the end of the night at the bar, and then we went and got in our cab home. But that just that seems like a terrible plan in retro. I can't think of a fun way to describe that. No, and also it was the fact that we, we had shots and then went home. Yeah, you're supposed to do that and be like, woo, let's hang out and be friends. It was like, what? Bye. It was very much of a, well, I'm, I need this to endure the taxi ride home. Yeah. What I'm saying is we're too old for this shit. We really are. We woke up It was up nice. It was lovely to see oh, people. Oh, look, look, it, it, was, it was a wonderful night, and I don't regret anything I did aside from maybe the last three drinks. But Chris and I, Chris and I woke up, uh, he, he's staying over at mine, and we, I, I put on some clothes, and we, we, we took about an hour to decide what we were going to do about lunch. And eventually we decided that, we, that he was just going to go home, and I was going to stare at a wall. <laughs> <laughs> that, was, that, that was the strength I had that day. That's what we had for lunch. So yeah. anyway, enough, enough rigmarole. We had a launch party. It was great. You can, uh, you can buy Spire on our website. Uh, still not physical copies, but soon. Promise. As soon as they get delivered to us, which should be soon. Should be soon, yes. It should be next week we get those. Um, and if you backed Spy, you should be getting your copy. Oh, so deliciously soon. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's so close. But enough of this rig- rigmarole. Uh, rigmarole. Rigmarole. Let's get some questions and then let's put them, let's serve them on the body of a young Japanese person. Okay. Like sushi. Eaten by an evil businessman. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't wish to sign up with evil doer. Well, it's, what I'm saying is, it's never the it's never the good guys who go and eat sushi no. for a naked person. Well, that is fair. All right, a question, Grant. Mm-hmm. What are ways to limit players piling on the dice? From Luke Hart two one four. Okay, now I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna um, peel back the curtain a little bit because because I need to explain what this question means. Yes, because I'm intrigued. <laughs> Because I picked it. Uh, this is basically there is a bit in every, in most role playing games, especially your Dungeons, your Dragons, your your um, Worlds of Darkness, where there'll be something like a spot check. So, for example, uh, you need to roll to see if you see the guy who's chasing you, the, mm-hmm. the guy who's, who's tailing you, for example. And then if one player tries, or, like, or let's say, for example, you need to think of like, oh, uh, do I recognise um, this particular magic spell? And if one player rolls, everyone's like, oh, I'll roll, I guess, even if they're not very good. And the person was the person was asking, one, is this a problem because it trivialises the role? And two, if it is, what do you want to do about it? Right. Now, this is this is generally not this is this is not an interesting part of the game for me. Rolling to see if you know something or rolling to see if you spot something aren't brilliant. No, because you can't fail forward in a way which lets the players know. You can fail forward when they hilariously misunderstand the information. Yes. So, like, um, do I recognise this magic item? And they critically fail, and it's like, oh, yes, that's a magic item, which turns rats into pigeons. And I guess that just wings rats at that yeah. point. It's kind of cool. Doesn't really do but very much. Does it wing anything else? Nope. Nope, okay. It's very specific. Um, and... You're like, oh, whatever, I'll throw this out. And actually what it does is turns um, gold into super gold. And that 
is kind of fun, I guess, to have that, oh, I got it wrong, oh, my hubris. I, I misunderstood this, and it, and, and it made a plot point. But normally it's like, no, you don't recognise it. Or, more boringly, no, you don't see it. Yes. And I mean, that's, that's what Gumshoe tried to get get rid of. Yeah. Well, it's just you automatically succeed if you've got the relevant knowledge. Mm. And that's and that's fairly smart. But I, I, I still think, like, quite commonly I'll be in a game and I'll be like, okay, make me perception checks or roll a perception check. And it's, it's, it's... Failure is not interesting if you fail no. a perception check. And if you didn't want to... If you didn't want a chance... You know, like if you don't want your players to see the thing, don't let them roll a perception check. Just just hide the thing from them. Yeah, I mean, I you're guess, in utter control of the world. I guess one point where that could work is if they're rolling to see traps. I guess so, but I, I, I'm I, not. I'm just saying it's great. I think. I think honestly, like I'd rather have that as a um, like. I want to see the trap and then diffuse it as part of the same roll. Yeah. Okay. You know. Mm-hmm. It's not I, I, like I see the trap. But like so, so fun fact: uh, Chris and I uh, we playtested a war game that I wrote on, on Wednesday before before the launch party, and it was I, I'd, I'd taken some some rules from different Warhammer Games Workshop systems. I liked mashed them together just to see what we could do because I'm interested in trying out and trying to do a war game, and it was terrible. And the interesting thing I found is that if you use traditional Warhammer mechanics, so roll to hit, roll to wound, roll to save, there's so many different points of failure. At that, and so like it was, it was much easier for nothing to happen than something to happen whenever you rolled a dice. And I think that's that's a, that's a problem which we still struggle with. You need yeah, to have something occur. It's the odd thing of only roll when it's important slash interesting. Yeah, and I think like if, if if you look at Spire, the you only roll it if you've got something to lose. So if people wanted to say, "All right, you know what? I'll see if I find out," then cool, absolutely go forward because. If it's if it's an important enough thing that you're rolling, you've got something to lose, so everyone else is putting something on the line. Yeah. And so that's kind of fun, I guess. So what I'm saying is punish your players for trying. <laughs> Hurt them for doing well. How about you, Chris? Um, yeah, I think that one of the big problems is that you're saying stuff to one person and mm. the group hears and thinks it's okay to involve themselves. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of okay. No, I, I know it's okay, but... It feels strange when you like go to somebody. You can you roll a perception check or can you roll a knowledge check? Mm. Um, and then somebody else who has no training in those skills goes, "Well, I'm here. I'll try." Yeah, I've succeeded. Yeah. Oh, okay. I, I, I guess the fight in you. Yeah. I guess uh, the fight in you. What the magic item was. And it's just weird. Mm. When, like I'm, the reason I'm telling it to this person is because this is their specialty. Yeah. You have so, very little idea what you're doing. You're picking up a book at random, and it happened to be the right book for the research. Yeah, you know, and like I think that that sort of undermines the tone. Yeah, in the in that you're supposed to be professionals or you know skilled. Yep. In this, so I suppose don't make them roll at all if if if, if there's perception checks or knowledge rolls or stuff, or just or just like tell them and like uh, you'll know that this is this or like you see this. I said another idea. What about a suspicion meter? Okay, tell me more. Just an idea I had, but like for for perception checks, right? You um, you start off with your with your perception meter at minus one. It's got minus one, zero, and one. Okay. So minus one, you're like, oh, nothing's wrong here. And if you get attacked, it's an ambush. And then if you pass a if you pass a spot hidden check, then it's one well, spot hidden spot ambush check. Then you're like, wait a second, there's villains here. So you're kind of ready. 
and it's and it's a straight fight. Right. And then and then it, and, and then if if you succeed on more, then you get the drop on them, and they don't know that they've been seen. So you get the chance to get an, get an advantage on them. I don't see why it needs the track though. I, I like tracks. Let me use checkboxes. Okay. I just think it would be a more interesting way of mechanically representing knowledge of enemy movements. Yeah. God, that's a boring sentence. I'm going to move Isn't on. It? <laughs> um, Penny Pretty asks, "Help me curse my druid." Amazing. Do we know what sort of curse they're after? Uh, I could. Like, I closed the window. Oh, that's that, that's absolutely fine. I just wanted to know if there was any specifics I had to adhere. To. Septic owls. Oh. Mm. Just all owls you come near will become septic. Just the whole owl's gone septic. <laughs> Not part of the owl. The whole thing. <laughs> Um, ac- you forcibly animate all trees you touch. Oh, that's good. That's that's a better one than mine. Uh, a dryad falls in love with you. How is that a curse? Well, they 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 they're malicious tree spirits, and like they can't really stray too far from their trees, so they so they, they animate forest creatures to drag you and bring you back to the tree, so you could live with them tied up in the branches. Right. Okay. Because I was thinking you could just walk away. They'll, yeah, that's true. It's a bit like a bit like mummies, right? Yeah, whatever. <laughs> just mummies, push, the worst villain. Push them over, leave the pyramid. Later, yeah. prick. Bye. So uh, you can get past those traps. Every every animal you summon is replaced with a whale, <laughs> or an octopus, I guess. Octopus just honking and rolling in the forest. <laughs> it's like a fucking killer whale. Yep. Bellowing and slapping against the trees, it dies again. The same <laughs> one that dies every time. Uh, the grass is lava. Oh, that's good. Is that, is, is, is that a delusion or like an actual thing that happens? I think it would actually burn you. Okay, the grass cool. burns like you, that. so you got to you got to go between you got to brachiate between treetops. Mm, mm. Um, you can't change back from your wild shape, but you can change into other shapes. Um. Like know, you, can, you can only do a form once and you've already done human. <laughs> yeah, you have to go through all of them before yeah. you get back to the top. I like the idea of like, of like you change into a bear and then, ah, I'm sorry mate, it's going to be a week until you can change back, so good luck with that date. <laughs> Your animal companion learns wild shape and turns itself into a human. Oh, and then tells everyone. <laughs> what you do at night. <laughs> You know, he said that a dryad fell in love with him, but he just likes rubbing himself against trees. <laughs> the same tree every night. So he's, he's, he's drawn a face on it in lipstick. <laughs> <laughs> My oaken bride, he says. <laughs> Makes us watch. Said the otter. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he was a wolf in my head, but that's one <laughs> It's horrible little otter smoking a cigarette. <laughs> but it'd be an otter man, wouldn't it? Yeah, but like, imagine a man that used to be an otter. The curse is you can you always have the spell speak with speak with animals. Yeah. However, you now have to have speak with humans as a spell you cast. That's not too bad. That's kind of fun, I think. That's that's an interesting one. Yeah. Um. Crabs. Just follow you everywhere. No, nah, like the, the sexual crabs. Oh, right. It's not a curse. Well, it could be. I guess. I, actually, yours is much better. <laughs> just just followed by... You, you know when they have those mass crab exoduses? Yeah. 
just that, just a carpet after, after of crabs. After a crab civil war. Yeah. I like, they do that, I like they do that they're not malicious. No. Like, they're as malicious as normal crabs are, so they probably won't bother you, but they do want to be near you. Yeah, and that is a problem when you're on the second <laughs> floor of an inn. <laughs> you, just, you throw open the curtains, and there's like... Two have managed to make it up and are hanging out, walking backwards and forwards on the on the shelf. <laughs> no, I just imagine there's only like dappled sunlight coming into the room because of the crabs that are packed against the glass. Ugh, I don't like that. I don't like that situation at all. What sort of thing would a druid have to do to pick up a curse? Do you think? Well, previously you only had to wear metal armor. Oh, that's true, and you lost all of your. Yeah, you you cease to be a druid. So, like, why? How come they can use metal weapons but not armor? I, I literally don't know. How come they've got scimitars? I don't know why they can't use metal armour. I get that they're natural, but metal's natural. Okay. Metal is natural. It's not so natural unless you also have fire. Which is another natural occurrence. Hear me out. You To make fire, you have to destroy things. Yep. So like, you have to cut down trees, or dig up coal, or, I don't know, harvest peat. I don't mm-hmm. know how peat works. And so you have to mess with the natural world and then burn it. So there's to, nothing destructive in nature. To extract... Hear me out here, mate. <laughs> hear me out, all right? To extract the metal from the rock, which you then make into a tool. Okay. And that's that, that's a very human thing, to make it into a tool. Yes. I just think it's weird. It is very weird. Why do they have scimitars? Was, that, was it like a druid model with a scimitar and it stuck? It's got to be. It must be that. It's not like they're, like, all foreign... They're from the woods. Yeah. Where are they getting their fucking scimitars from? Can, actually, can we just talk about druids for a second? We can. Fuck druids. <laughs> Everyone else is, 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 aside from the barbarian, is a paragon of civilization. Yeah. It's, it's, it's like, okay, so, so monsters are anti-civilization, we are pro-civilization, and we are, we're moving out. Like, the ranger is a, is, is a police officer for the woods. Yes. Even though, even though they are wild and they live in both worlds, they're keeping civilization safe. They're you know, they're, they're ranging, going, walking back and forth, walking back and forth, doing their stuff with the cloaks, <laughs> doing their cloak business. You know, yeah, you know, owning panthers, shit like that, and barbarians. <laughs> with the are, world's worst named swords. Yeah, it's not great. Barbarians aren't nature worshippers in that way. They're just they're just from a poorer culture. Yeah, you know, and perhaps a harder culture, hardier culture. But everyone else basically likes the fact that cities exist. Because that's how you get magic weapons. And druids are one of the core classes. And it's like, oh, I can turn into a bear. Oh, that's pretty cool. Do you want to hang out? No, I want to kill you. I want to, I want to destroy everything you have. Oh, why's that? I'm more into bears than people. I had a D&D group once that had a druid in it. And okay. the part of the party was very, very cheap. They loved their gold coins. Right. And there was a druid in there. Mm-hmm. So every single time, they're like, so we've got this big city with all the plot hooks in there. I'll let you just wander in and see what's about. Mm-hmm. No, we're going to camp outside. <laughs> it's cheaper. It's cheaper, and we're closer to the woods. I'm going to summon a giraffe to sit under. Fuck you all. <laughs> Get in the town. Did you have to have people come out? <laughs> oh, hello. I've got a plot point for you. Quest for sale. Get your hot quests. Oh, it's so annoying. Get on while they're lampshaded. <laughs> ask me a question. I will ask you another question. 
Owen asks, should there be more RPGs that integrate dexterity game mechanics, sort of like Dread? What would they need? Pop-up pirate. A harrowing, a harrowing tale. Yep. Um, of you trying to... So basically you've cornered a horrible bastard of a pirate and pushed him into a, into a barrel and you're trying to kill him by jamming swords in. Mm-hmm. But um, one of you will fail. It's it's, it's more of a reenactment. It's, it's 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 like a Jason Morningstar story game. <laughs> it's a reenactment of the death of someone, and eventually, you, like one of you puts the sword in, he manages to escape the barrel and kills and eats you. It's it's a dark time. And then I guess every time you put in a sword, you talk about someone you love. <laughs> Just to make it a proper story game. It's a proper story game, yeah. Yeah, uh, and like, and, and different colours of swords are um, different kinds of emotion. <laughs> it's emotional context. That's what the swords are. Providing. Yeah, yes, definitely. Yes, I mean, what is a sword but a metaphor? Well, uh, a sword is the other yeah, thing. It is. That is yeah. mm. Possibly uh, more so. <laughs> bomb defusal, kaplunk. That's the one with the balls and chopsticks, right? Yeah, you have to pull the chopsticks out and try and not get the balls to drop. Ah, uh, okay, okay. Um, something to do with buckaroo. It's always the hat that did it for me. I, I I always found I found the rope very satisfying. I liked the modelling on the rope. Yeah, but you want to put a hat on a donkey, right? That's just that's just human nature. That's just what it is. That's just the advance of man. Yeah, <laughs> civilization itself has been leaning towards this point. <sighs> See out in them plains, boy. There's a lot of donkeys going around hatless. <laughs> Get my gun. It's a gun that shoots hats. Oh, okay. That's about to say you're going to kill it and then put a hat on it. Like, my well, otherwise, here is done. Otherwise, they run around. <laughs> <laughs> they buck them hats clean off. Gotta make them lame first. <laughs> you gotta ruin that donkey's life before you build it back up with the addition of a good hat. I prefer the Panama. Technically, it's a mule in Buckaroo, not a donkey. Oh, really? I know this because it said so in the instruction manual and had some facts about mules. Why would they reveal such deep secrets in the manual? I guess because they know nobody's going to read it because it's Buckaroo. Well, I think I think like they were like they were trying to line up with the uh, with the novelizations that came out. I'm sorry, the what? The novelizations, a bit like you, you know, like there's, there's all those books about the Horus Heresy and Warhammer. And yeah. like all about different space marine chapters. Yeah, so yeah, so like there, there were a lot of like, why did the mule get here? Who were its parents? A horse and a donkey? Can it have children? No. Um, who's putting the stuff on the mule? Why are why are they why are they overloading it? That sort of thing. Right. You know, that's, like like the that's arc. a lot deeper than I thought. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They got they got Dad Abnett to do it. <laughs> you know what? As always, not as bad as you expect. <laughs> What other games could we use? I'm trying to think of games that have a physical element of this. That's the thing. Like, I think I think Dread or um, Are These Vampires Gonna Fuck? What's the What's the sex one called? Starcross Lovers. Starcross Lovers. Yeah, I think those like they've they've got it. They've got that. It's really tense. Everyone knows how to play Jenga already. Mm. It's very straightforward. And like, there's there's like there's a few house rules. Like, oh, like you have to put one hand behind your back, or once you touch a piece, you can't touch another piece. That sort of thing. Or you know, there's 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 variations in house rules, but everyone understands you have to make the stack taller. And it's also easy enough 
that you that you have the ability to, as long as you don't have some sort of you know debilitating illness, that you can get the first few rounds of a game out without it collapsing, rather than say darts, where the first time you play darts, you're kind of lucky if you hit the board. Yeah. Also, that involves throwing shot bits of metal around. I don't know. I, I think, I think if you have anything much more complicated than make this tower taller, you're going to you're going to end up with things with mechanics sitting uncomfortably on top of the story. Yeah, and I mean that's the the good thing about things like dread. There's there's obvious fail states mm. rather than just like you're playing snakes and ladders. Somebody gets to the end. Hey. Well, that's like snakes and ladders is it's not. It's not really a game. No, it's not. And like, and like, I, I'm not saying like, oh, it's not a real game, whatever. It's, there's no choice involved, nor is it even a puzzle. It's not. It's not an optimum strategy. No, you just watch it roll the play. dice move. You watch it. You watch it play itself. So, like, like, interestingly enough, the um, so it evolved. Like these these games evolved as um, one means of teaching counting, um, but also a means of um, like rosary beads. Right, like, 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 like a means of tracking prayers, a means of um, like counting off. Uh, think of them like abacuses, right? And then they started writing rules around the abacus. That seems very odd. It is odd, but that's that's what they had. Like the uh, like the the ancient Egyptian game. Uh, I think it's called Senat. Right. Um, where it is a it is a, an allegorical game where you play a soul on its passage through the gates of Duat, I think, to the afterlife. Yep. I'll be honest with you, most of my Egyptian mythology is learnt from Assassin's Creed Oranges. Yeah. The first three episodes of American Gods and Scion. <laughs> so it might all be made up. Who knows? However, you just you're just rolling dice. And going yeah. forwards and just counting and like there's there's some guff about not being able to share the same space, uh, but there's there's no tactics per se, and that's not re- anyway. What are we talking about? <laughs> De- dexterity. Yes. What dexterity games are there? Football. Twister. Twister. And we've already done Dread, but with Jenga inst- with Twister instead of Jenga. Yep. That was my September masterpiece. <laughs> I have a question. Ask, ask me a question. It is, how do I trick my players into a horror game by John Doe forty two from Reddit? So I mean, like at the base level, don't tell them it's a horror game. Is this a nice? Is this a thing that you'd want to be part of? Like, is this? Yes. Is this? Is this cool? Because I, I, I know, would like it, but then I really the, like horror games. Yeah, that's the thing. Like. A lot of people, I, I I know I know for example, like a lot of people that I play games with don't want to play Spire with me, right? Because they hate me. No, because because like because like they're they're more than happy for me to run silly D and D games, and like they love turning up and hanging out and telling jokes and doing all that. But if I was to run Spire, which is kind of one third normal violence, one third supernatural violence, and one third failed revolutions, yeah. That that would be kind of an upsetting way of spending the evening. Okay. Like like this thing, you can still have fun. Yeah. But it can be quite a stressful situation, and it's not the sort of wacky wacky laugh time funs that they were after. And so I think like tricking people into a horror game is a bit. There's some weird things around consent there. Like, I guess you are maybe, right. Maybe I didn't want to play a horror game. 
I'd be fine with this happening to me, depending on the situation, I suppose. And I think it could be really, it could be really interesting to have like, oh, actually, this is a actually like this slice of life um, Japanese role playing drama, which we were doing. In fact, it's a horror game. Yeah, that's a really cool reveal. I'm super down with that. But you have to, if you want to be cool about it, you have to know the people, I guess. Yeah, like as for your regular group who have to have been saying for ages. Can we play a horror game? No. No, you cannot. Can we play a horror game? No, I'm never doing a horror game. And then you finally do a horror game and don't tell them. So, I think I think what this comes down to... I was, I was, I was, actually, I was re-listening to, um, to an old episode of this, because uh, I didn't have anything else on my phone and I was bored. And at one point in Hearty Dice Friends, I, I advocate bringing a prop gun to the game and pointing it at people's faces. I think I, be- I think I said at the time you probably shouldn't do that. You agreed with me and said it'd be a great idea, and then and then we both realised. Okay. And it's like, oh, actually, I think that's maybe a crime. But the point <laughs> is, the point is, like, when you're, when you've got that, when you have a group of friends who you're who you're, who you're sure of around that around that sort of situation, I think you can afford to play it fast and loose. Like, there's stuff I'd do in a LARP that I was running for six of my mates that I would never even consider doing if we had public tickets open. Yeah, very true. But there's stuff I'd do like there's stuff I'd do in a in a game that I was running for my mates, which I would never publish in a in a adventure I was I was writing. I mean, like for example, in the, in the last campaign of D and D that I ran, a statue of Batman married a skeleton. <laughs> and the statue of Batman was made of Jade and was one of the player characters. And it was fucking bullshit. Like, I really liked it. It was a fun story. But there's no way I could actually say, okay, so, here's what's happening. It was just the result of me saying yes and too many times. Yeah. You know? But there's there's levels of quality and there's levels of risk which I'm which, which I'm, I'm willing to do with people who I trust and who, you know, we've got that established base rolling forward. However, let's say we were going to do it. Well, as I say, obviously the first thing is don't tell them it's a horror game. Well, you yeah, to, I mean, that's, no, that's, but you need to sell the other game. You need to get them excited about the other game. Yes, you need to really sell the other game. So if it's just, as you say, like a, a slice of life yeah. RPG, I'll be honest with you, most people aren't going to play that. Here's the thing: for it to be a horror game, you have to have them as horror protagonists. So you have to have people who aren't super good at their jobs or if they are super good at their jobs you have to have a threat which is which is way out of their league yeah so I don't know like I guess I'm trying to think what you could segue into I guess fake could work because that's so loose anyway yeah and you have your you have your character actually, actually you know what would really work Chris and this is this is daft very well GM'd Wushu that would have to be incredibly well GM'd well, it starts off as like as like your normal people doing normal things, yeah. And rather than having I jump sideways holding both guns in my mouth and killing everyone, it's more sort of oh I'm gonna I'm gonna scrabble down behind cover and try and reload. Mm. That's and then and then roll the dice that sort of thing and try and keep the keep the details to a uh, to a gritty level and then have oh I'm gonna get my leg eaten off by a swamp monster. <laughs> I think one way you could do it is by changing the character focus. Okay. So you have characters in one game, in like what we call the core game. Okay. Get to a point where they do something that's, say, magical, and okay. then take over other characters. Ah, the old Resident Evil trick. 
Resident Evil 7. Don't know why I've put this voice on. <laughs> I don't know either. Listen, that... Surgeon Stairwell. Bane has changed. <laughs> yes. Um, but yeah, so, so that you, start, you you take over other characters in a, in a horror scenario and then come back and have to piece that together. I get, yes, that's, that's kind of a fair trick. Because like you can get them, you can get them interested in the situation, mm. and then you let them explore the situation with effectively disposable characters. That could be fun. And then you have a sort of meta plot going on around, yeah, the the videotapes or whatever you're using. I suppose at that point, what I'd be interested in doing is have a a mundane investigation game. Yeah. Now I don't know how the fuck you'd sell that when non-mundane games exist, but you could be like, oh, actually, I'm trying to do a police procedural. I'd like so, that. I think that'd be mm. very interesting. Yeah, I said I don't know, I don't know how I'd write it. You no, know, neither do I. But I don't know anything it. about forensics, but make that happen, and then it gets it gets it gets more True Detective the longer you go on. Yeah, and then you push it a little bit further than True Detective did. <laughs> so we get a proper ending. You get a proper ending, rather than that bullshit they phoned in. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's how. But also, don't. <laughs> Don't spring it on anybody unless they've been explicitly asking for it for about three months. Yeah, uh, and like if if they've all said, "Oh, I'd, I'd love to play a horror campaign," and like and also like, I think as well, like things you've got is you can is you can you can have the X card, you can have the the get out clause, and it's like okay, so like we've got an X card. This is going to be upsetting. You don't say this is going to be horror. And yeah, there's, and there's an evil wizard who's controlled all of your shoes, or however horror famous works. horror plot. I've never seen a horror film. The most of them are about shoes, right? Everyone. Okay. <laughs> they gotta mix that. They gotta mix that form with her up. Hey, if it ain't broken. <laughs> Ask me a question. Um, want to get into RPG design, but have no idea. From John Doe forty two on Reddit. Mm, no idea. No idea whatsoever. But is interested in RPG design. We've answered two questions by him this episode. You, you realise? I did not realise that. The last one we answered was just from him. Oh, well. We, would, we wouldn't let that happen with a listener. <laughs> no. Okay. I want to get into RPG design, but I have no idea. So I think there's something to be discussed here. Yes. And it's, and it's not very funny. Which is, an awful lot of people who I see designing role-playing games get to the stage where someone would play it, and then stop. Or they get to a stage where they want to write down the entire history of their world. Or they want to detail every single possible psychic power in the game. Or they want to have full rules for every monster. And they try and do that, and invariably it doesn't work. Mm. And I see these these games on Kickstarter. It's like, it's been in development for 15 years. Why? What happened? What took 15 years? What are you doing? Unless this game is... Unless the book is as tall as I am, I don't understand what you've been doing. Yeah, and fundamentally, the first, like the first thing to do, this, let's, let's see if we can get some actual advice to people who are interested in writing their own RPGs. Because I figure my work looks easy as hell, <laughs> so I figure, and 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 kind of is, but I think that it's easy because it's easy because you know, we've been doing it for a long time. Yeah, and I think that you know some of our listeners are going to be interested in making their own games, and to them, I want to say. One, read as many role-playing games as you can get. Two, try and play as many role-playing games as you can, but it's not really a sort of an easy goal to achieve because you can't do it on your own. It's not like a video game where you can just knock out three a week. No. 
even if you had the money, you have to get friends together. You have to organize yeah. schedules. It's kind of tricky. Uh, there's, I think, like a, a way if you wanted to expose yourself to a lot of different games, uh, conventions would be a solid way of doing. It, especially if you live in America, uh, go along and hit up the hit up whatever indie circuit they've got and try playing lots of different weird games. And online as well. There's yeah, there's online community and uh, forums and Discord servers and all sorts. But crucially, release something. I'm seeing um, uh, Weird Katie on uh, on Twitter who did uh, who did a zero player role playing game, which I which, which, which I was very impressed with. What what they're doing at the moment is they're releasing sort of game ideas in threads of tweets, and right. they're not they're not playable in that you couldn't sit down, print out the tweets, and then make a game happen. But it's but what they've done is here is an idea for a game. Here is something which I'm working on, and I might develop it into something more fully, or it might just end up as this. But I think there's something fascinating around that mechanic, and I think by putting that that stuff out into the world and talking about it and exposing your work to others, you build up some confidence, you build up some experience, and then eventually you're going to get to a point where you, you release something playable, and it's going to suck. Yep, that's fine. Your first game will suck. Um, if it doesn't suck, you're not looking at it right. <laughs> my first, my like, the, I'm gonna say the first five years of work I did is dog shit. Uh, I I released really awful games. Um, the first, like, the first, I mean, even looking, even looking at the work I did um, a few years ago as a professional designer, I don't like it very much. I wouldn't release it now, and like, it's fine as it is. Um, I don't think like it needs a new edition or anything. It functions, but I I wouldn't I wouldn't be like, yes, this is the thing for me. Yeah. Um, and so, like you're gonna, like you're 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 gonna, you have to, you have to evolve. You have to keep playing and reading and learning and just releasing and, and like releasing short games and um, letting players fill in the story, trusting players to fill in the story themselves because they'll do it. They really will. No one's gonna read your background. Nobody's gonna read your timeline. No, I hate them. I hate them so much. Okay, okay, put it this way: some people like timelines. Some people are going to read them, but the majority of people who who interact with your game are not going to read all of a timeline. They're going to read five bits of it and then not go back. Because you can't remember that. It doesn't matter. And if you are doing a historical game, it's rather written for you, as it were? Yes. Either it matters so much that the actions of your players have no impact, or it doesn't matter at all, so history has no impact. Pick one. And that is, that is yeah... That's frustrating thing, to me. Another thing we do is we do what's called an MVG. Ah, uh, yes. Which is a minimum viable game. Mm. Once we've got an idea that, that... An idea that sounds good, whether or not it works or not, we find out that, later. It, it holds together. Yeah. Holds together on paper. We yeah. just go, right, what, what's the basics we need for this to work? Uh, like, a class. Yeah. A monster. Yeah. And then how we do, test it. How does this game taste? Yeah. And that, that's one of the reasons why we go through so many editions, because we write crap. Well, yeah, like you have to write a lot of crap before you get to the good stuff. And the thing is that people don't see the crap that we turn out. No. Um, in fact, like one of the one of the rewards I, I, was, I was we were chatting about giving in one of the kickstarts we did was like all the previous drafts. And Chris is like, "Don't do that. No, it's bad. It's genuinely awful. <laughs> don't release the shit. But, that, but you, you have to you have to experiment. You have to try. You have to, you have to take risks." Um, and I think that one of the biggest problems I've seen is people like going onto Reddit and saying, "I've written this system. It's really long. It's taken me ages. What do you think?" And it's like that's not. Don't do that. Like I think if you come out with a game saying, "What do you think?" 
you're inviting criticism you're inviting nitpicking you're not inviting people to play the game yeah. what you need to do is, is 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 come up with the game and say i've written a game play it and run it with people and treat your games as though they're games you're not an aspiring game designer if you're designing games you're a games designer yeah it's that simple and this is this is this is starting to unsettle me how earnest i'm being and i want <laughs> to tell some jokes well, how about this then? We'll have a related question that you can mm-hmm. probably tell some jokes in. Okay. How to make a rule book longer by Spec Tommy. Sorry? How to make a rule book longer by Spec Tommy. Ah, Spec Tommy. Why, why, would, why would Spec... Let's well, assume Thomas. Why would Thomas um, want to make a rule book longer? Well, they've made a, they've made a rule book uh-huh. and it's about 30 pages long. Right, but they notice that most RPGs are around three hundred pages long. Mm-hmm. How do I make my book longer? Bless their little heart. Right. Bless their little heart. You don't have to. It's it's as long as it as it needs to be. That's the thing. Well, that's the thing. Like like this person has approached it, and they've seen like they've written their role playing game. And I'm sure it's fine or whatever. And then they have seen other people. And it's like oh, no, the, the other boys. The boys have such big role-playing games. Mine can't be a real role-playing game. But it does... That's the thing. It does open up some discussion about what what lends value and therefore what lends... What's the word? Worth rather than value. Yeah. To a role-playing game. Is it art? Is it background? Is it setting? Is it rules? Like, um, is Lasers and Feelings less of a role-playing game than Simba Room? The answer is no. Like they're both different things. One of them has a load of setting for it, and one of them has one page, and half of that is mainly jokes about sexy robots. <laughs> but that—that's like they're still games. They're just different kinds of game. Yeah. Now, if you do want to make it longer, I can recommend um, writing too much of a setting. Yeah, bolt a setting onto that. I mean, that will just yeah, pump yeah, it yeah, up yeah. by two hundred pages. Yeah, for sure. Uh, that's 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 going to be most um, weapons listing is good. You want a feat system? Spell lists. Oh, spe- Ooh, spell list. That's good. Especially if you can get some dog shit ones in there. Yeah, just some really useless spells. What was the one I had from? Um, there's one from Complete Scoundrel, which is Smoke Staircase. Inhale <laughs> an like- entire staircase. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, They'll never can... follow us up here. <laughs> no, sir, he smoked it. Uh, uh, no, you, uh, you, you can you can build a staircase out of the smoke off a campfire. Oh, that's useful. So it's about 20 <laughs> minutes to get the campfire made. I just... How are you? When's that coming up? Never. There's got to be, a, there's gotta be a, 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 an open fire producing enough smoke near something you want to climb up. That's ridiculous. And like trees are generally well, I'm not saying they're easier to climb, but you probably it's probably easier to climb the tree than it is to make a fire, which you then abandon. Yeah, might I add, because you're you're you climb. It just seems that it's such a weird thing to spend a, a spell slot on, especially these things like it's a sorcerer spell you can take. <laughs> so, but yeah, uh, just yes. fill your book with that. I dragon dreamed this from my bloodline. It was good enough for my father's father. Poor sorcerers, eh? Wizards get every fucking spell they want. Whatever they want, as long as it's written down somewhere. And sorcerers have to remember it, because their granddad knew it, and was a book. Yep. What were we chatting about? <laughs> Where were we? How to make a rule book longer. 
Uh, yeah, uh, Fate System Spellbooks, um, Bloodlines, uh, Origin mechanics are good, Look, like, like you're from a place. There's a lot of craft you can put in that is yeah. genuinely entertaining. Oh, you don't want to do that, that takes work. Random tables? <laughs> I basically wrote themselves. They do. They do. As we've proven. Pictures of dogs? Crosswords? Word searches, they're like crosswords, but easy. Give Jam recipes. Book. Acetate inserts. Acetate inserts. Why would you have those? So you could lay them over your your, your character to see where you hit. <laughs> I'm just thinking of things to make a book longer that I hate. Just really thick bookmark. If I if I could get rid of feats, I would lose feats entirely. Yeah. I've never enjoyed taking a feat. I've never enjoyed finding a feat. No. They make such a tiny impact to the game. Yeah, it's so boring to pick one. I've always just sort of thrown my thrown my sheet at, at the GM or at, at the nerdiest player I can find and be like, "Yeah, can you just optimize this a little bit? I'm going to be over here in a cigarette because I'm because <laughs> I'm too cool to play this bit of D and D." Yeah, yeah, you do that a lot. Every other bit, I do that a lot, don't I? Yeah, I'm just like there's there's levels of there's levels of nerd I'm willing to stoop to. I'm, pick, I'm picking out my own feats. It's not one of them. This this question has fallen apart like wet bread in a cupboard. It has. It has. It's gone very strange. It's gone very strange. I need to ask you a question. Though. Okay. This question comes in from Tianan MC, and they say, need ideas for high fantasy Olympic games. Baby dragon curling. Dragon egg curling. No, no, dragon curling, because they can... The, then, then the actual, I don't know, puck, whatever the... Uh, stone? Steam kettle, stone, steam kettle, whatever's going on there. Mm. Ke- is it? I think it might be kettle. Yeah, anyway. maybe slides forwards. Mm-hmm. Then they can breathe a little bit of fire on the ice oh. to melt it, so it's slicker. Ah, that's like cute. like where they do the where they do the broom work. I'm doing yeah. a mime of a broom. Yeah, so I can know. hear any voice. Um, but I think that would work. Can I posit? Can I put forward why my egg theory is possibly superior? Please do. When you hatch becomes a tactical decision. Oh, that's impressive. You see? Do you get double points for hatching on a bullseye? No. Uh, I mean, yes. Um, eggs Eggs are more naturally aerodynamic than dragons. Well, not aerodynamic, because dragons fly. But eggs... They are more portable. Eggs are more portable. I'm going to say an egg goes goes more smoothly across ice than a living, greasy dragon. Because okay. it's just come out of the egg. It's going to be covered in, you know, albumin. Yeah. However... As you said earlier, they breathe fire. And also, they lure other dragons away from point zones. <laughs> so you want, want a particularly comely dragon. Maybe you alternate, like, dragon, chicken leg. Oh, I dragon, see. Dragon, chicken leg. So that you can try and lure the dragons around the, the target. See, uh, that could be kind of a fun game. But, like, it's a full-size dragon. Or, yeah. like, or like, like, a, like, like, like a wormling. Something which can put up a fight. Which is going to bother a pub full of people. Mm. And you're running around the rooftop throwing down haunches of venison to try and get it to go in particular locations and attack your enemies. Yeah, like chess. Yeah, basically chess, but played out in a city. All that really terrible minigame from Assassin's Creed Revelations. <laughs> You've also got, I guess, archery, but with magic bows. That's just archery, isn't it? That is just archery, yeah. And <laughs> using magic bows would be seen as cheating. Chat. <laughs> Performance enhancing bows. Yeah. That's that's a more interesting question. Actually, you've got you've got high fantasy Olympic sports, right? Yeah. How are you how are you cheating? 
in, in, like in the high fantasy Olympic Games. Bullet testosterone. <laughs> now, I know you mean land sharks, but what if you just milk the testosterone out of actual bullets like ammunition? <laughs> <laughs> Toast up on that. Wow, he's fast! <laughs> Contravenes several state laws and is available in Walmart. I sup- um, I'd possibly go for um, getting a doppelganger to shapeshift in, in, into me, but like they're better at running than I am. Citywide hide and seek. Go on. With a, doppel- with a doppelganger. Okay. So all the contestants are let into the city an hour after the doppelganger. The doppelganger's not allowed to leave the city. Right. Um, and they've got 24 hours to find the doppelganger. And it, and it can change into anyone. It can change into anything, in, in anyone. It can do whatever it wants. It's not really an Olympic sport. It sounds more like a Channel 4 show. I'd play it. I'd watch it. I think it'd be great. Actually, hang on a second. Is that a, is that a good idea for a scenario in D&D? Is that a solid idea? I think that might be a solid idea. I think that's pretty good fun, trying to find out who's the doppelganger, where they are at any one point. So you've got clues and stuff, I guess, and you can start asking around, and then you'd have, what of these people must be the doppelganger? I figured there's no sort of clean way in which... I think, like, rather... I almost almost don't want it to be a game. Like, I want it to be like, well, like, like, we have to bring someone for execution by the morning. Yeah. So it has to be the doppelganger, or someone who everyone believes is a doppelganger. That would be fun. That's kind of an interesting idea. Note right. that down in your copybook. And then and then don't sell it. Copyright. Roanoke <laughs> and Deckard 2018. <laughs> you heard it here first. We've got it on recording. Fuck them. Yeah. Come at us. Don't say that they will. We'll sue the pants off you. We've got a lawyer. He's listening. <laughs> Tim. You hear that, Tim? Sick him. <laughs> don't. He probably would. Um... Should we wrap it up? Yeah. Uh, I mean, we could wrap it up. It just seems a little bit like this. It seems uh... the right point to wrap it up after we've just threatened people with litigation. So, thank you very much for listening to Hearty Dice Friends. My name is Grant Howitt. This is Christopher Taylor. And we have been giving out some sort of advice for nearly an hour now. (laughs) Probably some advice, maybe. If if you've enjoyed this, if you've you've, um, garnered any sort of benefit... Whether that's social or monetary, or monetary from selling our ideas, we will, we we will sue you. If you've garnered any sort of benefit from that, please consider contributing to our Patreon. We have a Patreon at uh, patreon.com forward slash Hearty Dice Friends, and you can come along and, and sling us some cashola into our big internet hat, which we will then use to make the podcast good. Yeah. Or happen. Happen. You can happen. No, it is good. It's pretty good. I think. You can... <laughs> right? Maybe sit down on yourself. It's good, isn't Validate it? Validate me! Please write in and tell us we're good. We're lonely. <laughs> we're good boys. We're good boys. We mean well. You can also follow us on Twitter at HDF Podcast. Or, if you want to submit a big old long question, you can send an email to heartydicefriends at gmail.com. Right, that's it. Thank you for listening. We love you. You're the best thing in the world ever. We want to give you a kiss on your head and make you sandwiches. Goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye.